Hey guys, your friendly neighborhood editor here. Beige apologizes very much, but he did not double check his audio setup this week, and you will hear that shortly. He promises that he will do better next time, and I will double check to make sure that he does. But it's not horrible, it's just not a normal quality. So I wanted to put th- something up front just so you guys know. Anyway, on to the podcast. Next week, his audio will be better, I promise. <laughs> Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where Final Fantasy XV tricked us into buying cup noodles. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I've wanted cup noodles so bad! Today, we are talking about Final Fantasy XV again, because, well, why don't you tell them? It's the Beige-spective episode. I I got a PS4, I decided to treat myself, and treat yourself, and I bought myself a PlayStation 4, the Kingdom Hearts Collection, and Final Fantasy XV. And I haven't been able to really drag myself away from Final Fantasy 15. So we thought, you know, to get the to get everything in while it's fresh and talk about it. Since you've been through it a couple of times, I think twice is what you told me. Yeah, I've been through it twice. And then also just like you only have one real chance to capture first impressions of a new system. And I know that like PlayStation 4 isn't groundbreaking and new, but it is to you. So I thought it would be yeah. kind of interesting before we even dive into Final Fantasy 15, which yes, I played through it twice um, to just kind of get what you think about the PS4 with your first. It, it hasn't even been a week yet. No, no, I think I started it late Friday night and we were recording this on Tuesday night. So I've only had it for a few days and I really, really like this thing that it's not in terms of a, a console and media center head and shoulders above the PS3 because it still did everything that I needed it to do. But the rest mode is awesome. Being able to just put my put my console to sleep, walk away and not worry about, you know, having to keep it on to charge the controller. And I was able to set it where it'll even stop sending power so I don't mess up the battery if I just leave it plugged up in rest mode. Just things like that are awesome quality of life improvements. And I mean, it just makes me happy for that. And it's so quick. I didn't realize how sluggish some of the menus are on the PS3 and how some of the apps work, but going to the PS4 and just running the exact same things like YouTube and Hulu, I can feel the the speed and power that the PS4 has that the PS3 didn't. Oh, like yeah, I really totally really love this thing well and like rest mode is it's interesting you bring that up because i use it all the time and it's probably like one of the killer features of the ps4 and i know that like xbox one has a version of it and nintendo switch has a version of it now but going from like last console generation to this console generation i think that it's actually a big feature that doesn't get talked about a lot because like when i was playing through final fantasy 15 i probably only had one gameplay session like i don't think i ever actually turned it all the way off i just put it into rest mode until i Uh, finished yeah and same thing for like persona 5 you know that's like one 80 hour gameplay session that was broken up with a bunch of rest modes in between yeah that's that's pretty much the way i'm doing i have had to turn final fantasy off because one of my buddies wanted to play kingdom hearts and so i had to swap back and forth between there but other than that it's just been going into rest mode or i've had to suspend it to go watch something on hulu or something like that it's it's not been an issue whatsoever and not having to worry about saving in a Final Fantasy game, that's awesome. Just being able to be like, oh, I've, I've got to go work for a while. Oh, I'm in the middle of a dungeon. It doesn't matter. Just put it in rest mode, and as long as the power doesn't go out or my wife grab it by accident and turn it off or something like that, no big deal. Oh, yeah, and it's nice, too, that you can, like, hook up the Vita to it if you do remote play at all because you can, like, get it out of rest mode with the Vita and then put it back into rest mode with it. So yeah. you never really have to turn it off. I've never bothered, well, I I can't say never, I've had it for like three days. I haven't bothered to hook the Vita up to it yet, just because I've been playing Final Fantasy XV on it, and I don't figure XV will work too well on the remote play on the Vita. Probably not, but... I mean, there aren't even enough buttons... So that that's my big thing as I look at it, and there there aren't enough buttons to do some of the stuff on there. I don't know how it would map, so I'm just like, eh, it's not a big deal. Whenever Jennifer's watching Dr. Pimple Popper and I'm in there with her, just kind of paying attention to it in the background, I may try it at that point. There you go. That'll work. So is there anything else, like initial impressions that you wanted to get out there? 
I mean, I'm really actually excited for the PlayStation Plus. I will eventually get it. And one thing that uh, I like the games that are on there. I've read on it, and I'll have to do it to play multiplayer stuff anyway. But I didn't know there was a feature where you could watch your watch your friends play. And Austin was talking to me about this, that you get in a party or we get on Google Hangouts or something, and we can talk and watch each other play games like we do when we're hanging out at home. When he wasn't living on the south side of Florida, like when we would just go watch, I would go watch him play The Last of Us, or he would come over and watch me play uh, Bioshock Infinity or something like that. It's that's a really cool feature to me, and I've been using the PS4 Share a lot just because Final Fantasy has the character who takes uh, screenshots throughout your adventures every time you camp, and some of them are really pretty, and so I just send them out to Twitter because I like them and I like. Seeing other people's PS4 shares. That's something that I've really liked. And I'm really excited to eventually try game streaming. That with it being able to connect automatically to Twitch and YouTube and Twitter, I want to see how game streaming works on it because it's kind of a pain on PC most of the time. And I really really think that being able to do it from the ps4 will be pretty neat yeah no all those things are cool and i bet you will use some of those more than i ever did so i'm interested right. to see what you do with them i my brother and i did play around with that like share screen feature a little bit and if i remember yeah. right playstation 4 is the one where you can actually like hand the controller to somebody remotely which is cool what yeah i think i'm remembering that correctly i'd have to look it up again but i'm running through all the other systems in my head and i don't think it's any of the others and i know i've done it at some point so it must so be the ps4 where you can like once you're doing that um i don't even remember what it's called but it's huh. you know like that one-to-one -one streaming with somebody yeah. else like you're in the same room and screen sharing you can like hit a button and like hand them the controller so one of the examples you know is like if you got stuck on a boss and you need someone to help you or something like yeah. that I, th right, of I course. think it's like that. I think there are limitations around it, but I also remember doing it at some point if my mind isn't making that up. <laughs> so basically, if I want to try out Fallout 4, I'll be like, hey, buddy, turn on Fallout 4 and give me the controller. There is something like that. And now I'm going to look it up after that's, the episode because I don't that's trust really my brain. Cool. Like <laughs> that, like if it is, that's a really cool feature that that I, I that's that's just awesome. That's a really cool feature. Yeah. Okay. So is there anything else like game wise that you're excited for now um, that you have one and you don't have like the hurdle of hardware to the overcome? Well, there's I'm I'm look, I'm going to get Abzu uh, for Jennifer. She loved Journey and I love Journey and Abzu looks really pretty. And you told me it was kind of a, a spiritual successor follow up by the same people who did it. I'm going to end up getting Assassin's Creed on the PlayStation 4 or Assassin's Creed Origin on PS4 instead of the PC like I'd originally originally planned because I've realized recently how my PC doesn't handle really, really, really high-end brand new games as well as I want it to, and the PS4 obviously will. So I want to play it and it'd be pretty and, and smooth and, and as high-res as I can get it. And just, I, I look forward to having the Spider-Man game, man. That's why I went, went with the PlayStation 4 over the Xbox, because a lot of the Xbox stuff is cheaper in a lot of, in a lot of places. That you can get controllers cheaper, you can get uh, the console is cheaper, you can get games cheaper on Amazon. But that Spider-Man game, I, I, that's the, yeah, just that Spider-Man game, man. I just, I gotta have it. Good. Yeah, I thought you'd be pretty pumped about that one. And then yeah. if anything else comes out in the fall that is like amazing and gets critical acclaim, you can jump on it now because you could yeah. just buy the game instead of worrying about the hardware. I can. And even on that, I could game fly it. That's something on oh, this yeah. one that I've thought about. Like, I really could do game fly to get some of these games and uh, it wouldn't be nearly the uh, the investment because you know how I bounce off of games if I don't like them. But if I game flied something and really liked it, I could pay for it like you did with Uncharted 4. Oh, yes. and I have Uncharted 4 because that's the bundle that I got. I haven't even tried it yet, but I'm, I actually look forward to trying it whenever I get through this, because when I get through a Final Fantasy, because you liked it enough to buy it, but not finish it. So I'm interested to see if I go any further than I did on uh, 1, 2, or 3, uh, because I didn't... I'd be I didn't go really those. interested to see what you think of that one. I think it'll. I think I'll like it because of things I've heard about, and like I said, with you actually going through it when you didn't go through the others. So we'll see. But that one I got, I'll try it. Okay, and I did just look it up. 
it the share okay. play that is how share play works you can give your controller to someone else and let them play as you and the limitation cool. is the time limit see i was remembering this mostly uh, right okay. there's like a one hour time limit for a share play session i think it's one hour something like that but yeah you can do the share play and then you can virtually hand your controller off so if you play around with that more definitely let me know if you think about it or what you think yeah, about it and i guess i the, absolutely the will other thing before we dive into final fantasy 15 a little bit more how does this impact your switch plans because you ah. you texted me a bunch you were debating yep. whether you were going to get the switch or the ps4 and you went with the ps4 and i knew I either way you went you would be happy and you'd be like excited about it what tipped you this direction and like where you're where are you sitting with the switch now do you think you'll get it in the future i'll get it in the future okay right now what what i, I expect it to be next year I expect it to be spring or summer of next year because what I did was I sat down and looked at every Switch game that was out right now and was supposed to be out at the end of the year and was slated for releasing quarter one of 2018. And when I looked through there, the only game that I was truly just major excited for was Mario Odyssey in October. And I really want it. It's awesome. I cannot wait to play it. But because I've already played through Zelda and I've got Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U right now, there is no real pressing reason for me to get a Switch when there are games that I'm dying to play like it was with Final Fantasy. So I looked and there are a lot in the quarter one of next year that look really awesome. So it may be a spring or summer purchase for me next year, also depending on how money and job stuff looks. But right now, I'm glad I made the PS4 choice because it, with the number of games and the stuff on the virtual console, hasn't really been put out yet on Switch, that there's Stuff like that that's still kind of up in the air. I think I made the more solid choice on the PS4 just in terms of getting the getting my money's worth out of it at this particular point in time. I think the Switch is going to be fantastic down the line once it is established with a huge library and kind of the virtual console uh, backlog of games or what, however they do it on the eStore. Yeah, and I totally get that. I kind of suspected you might go this direction because, like, I want all of my games on the Switch now, like not all all of them, but most of them, like any game that I have been playing on the PS4, I would rather have it on the Switch at this point. And it's like, yeah. it's it's still the first year of the console, like more games will get to it, more games will get ported for it. And then Nintendo is always chugging out like first party games yeah. for it. So over time, there was no question that like it will be a fantastic system and it still is right now. But I also kind of struggle to find like new things to play on it at the moment, which won't be true right. forever. Yeah, that will not be true forever. And whenever it becomes one of those where kind of like the PlayStation is right now, and I realize I'm getting in really late in the PS4 life cycle just because I was really late in the PS3 life cycle, but I'll get on the Switch when it's still prime and I'll have a backlog of games, but also a lot to look forward to in the future where right now I'm not, I mean, the PS4 Pro just released and I don't see them doing a whole a PlayStation 5 in the next at least two years uh, in terms of release. So I've got a little time, I think, to get a lot of new releases out of this one too. Cool. Okay, let's get into Final Fantasy 15 a little bit right. deeper. Um, it, Based on what we talked about and like what we have here in the show notes, I don't think this is going to be very spoilery. But before we get into right. it, like where are you in the game? Just so people know. I am at the very end of Chapter 8 now. Uh, okay. Before we came on, I I can turn in the quest that will move me into Chapter 9. And so I'm about 17 hours in right now, I think. Where... Okay. Uh, 17, 17 and a half, somewhere right around in there where I'm going and doing a bunch of side quests. Yeah, and I had warned you that, and I think I told people this on the podcast before, it's kind of like a non-spoilery but pretty fair warning. Like, if you finish chapter eight, that is where the story kicks into like linear mode and it pushes you towards the end of the game pretty directly. Not in a bad way, like, but it's where the gameplay goes from open world to... It's not completely on rails, but you are pretty much pushed down a path towards the end of the story. So, right. like, I know you were enjoying the, the quests and, like, the side quests and stuff. I said just, like, do everything you want to do before you finish Chapter 8. 
Yeah, and that's something that I'm I'm actually going back and forth on because I really, really, really like the story of this game. And I also have done so much of the open world right now that I want to know what's coming next and see how it becomes a little more linear. But I don't know... Like I've seen something say that you can go back into the open world at certain parts in as it moves you through the rest of the game where it becomes more traditionally Final Fantasy. But I've also seen people say, no, you need to do this before you go into it. So I don't know. Like, was that something they patched in after you beat it? Or was that always the case? No, you can. But it's kind of like retconning what you've done. It's it's weird. Uh, it's yeah. a story conceit where you like talk to a dog and it lets you time travel back to before this point in the game and it's like oh remember that time we did stuff even though you never really did that but then if you go Uh, back to that point and play it forward then all of those things apply when you go back to the current time you're in so yes you can absolutely go back to it but to me it felt like you're just kind of cramming it in in this really really like bad story conceit and I didn't want to do that ever. <laughs> I totally see you not ever wanting to do that. That I'll probably end up doing it because one of the things that, that I'd marked down here on the bottom just to talk about were the side quests. Because I've spent about the last hour, right before we recorded this, I spent about the last hour doing just side quests. Not worrying about anything but running from point A to point B, grabbing Captoir figurines and stuff like that. And... They are interesting, but I'm not sure if I can just grind out for hours and hours and hours to finish all of them right now. Yeah, that's what I ended up doing. I basically just said, okay, I know that this is kind of a jumping off point for the rest of the story. I am just going to sit down and get all these done. And it took a long time, but also that meant that I never felt like I had to stop the flow of the rest of the game. I could just enjoy it when I finally pulled the trigger on like, okay, I'm ready for the second half of the game. Let's just finish it. And I totally I totally understand that take. I know I get bored and I don't want to bore myself on this game before I get through the main story. That if I get bored and want to and do it while I'm and well, I don't even want to say bored. If I get tired of the tedium, I don't want that to apply to the story because I really am loving it so much. That that I do really, really think they've done a fantastic job on the narrative. And it's weird because as much as I love the narrative, I'm so glad that I've seen the Brotherhood animes and the and the Kingsglaive movie because I'm not sure how much I would have understood without seeing those first. Yeah, I think the Wait. Brotherhood anime fleshes out the main characters better than like anything in the actual game. I mean, outside of Noctis, because like Noctis is key to the story and everything else kind of flows around the kingdom and Noctis and Arden and like uh, Noctis's father. And but the the other three main characters that are in your party, the other bros on the trip, for lack of <laughs> yep. a better term, um, they are more fleshed out by that anime than anything in the game, which is honestly one of the game's like downfalls. It, it should have yeah. done better. I still love the game, but like I can critique it. Right. I wish they had improved this area. More than anything else. And it looks like they're trying to retroactively do that with DLC, but I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to the DLC. Oh, you totally should, because I- I'm I'm going to, and I want to know what you think about them as well, because you know how we like talking about having played the same things. I really, I- I'm excited to go do those with the episode Prompto and ep- episode Gladiolus, and are they going to do an Ignis DLC like that as well? I don't know if it's announced, but I would be surprised if they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I am amazed at which characters I like, because in the animes, I really thought Ignis was going to be my favorite of them, and that I wasn't going to like Noctis, and it turns out it's the opposite of that, that Ignis is by far my least favorite character, and Noctis is really, really cool. Like, I think his personality, he has more of a personality than some of the Final Fantasy protagonists have in the past, and so I really like that, and I think Prompto was my favorite, though. Like, I didn't I didn't connect to him at all in the animes, but man, I really like him in the game. He is my favorite part about the game right now is Prompto. And I I did not think that was 
even possible. But the way that they make you interact and talk with each other just constantly, his upbeat attitude, like I'm him, like he's me. And I think that's why I like him so much is because he just loses his mind over chocobos. He he just wants to have fun doing all this stuff. He goes around and is like, I rode my chocobo all day long. And then he goes, after winning a battle, I'll do that in my kitchen when some when something good happens or Jennifer makes a joke, I always go dun 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 and I just cackle at Prompto because I've been doing this kind of stuff for years and there's a character in the game doing it and I just I just giggle at how personally meta it all is. Yeah, if you had asked me before you started playing who I thought your favorite character would be, there is no doubt I would have picked Prompto. That's it totally makes sense to me why you connected with him. Yeah, just straight up, I love him, and I'm so glad that there's a DLC for Prompto because I cannot wait to get into it. That that it is gonna it's gonna be so much fun. Well, just, said, just being able to control him. You said the other thing that you're loving is chocobos, right? I love them so much. I just love chocobos. I love them. I named mine Duty Face because it's my that's the name that I named my Final Fantasy 14 chocobo, and so now I'm pretending that they're the same thing. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad that you're liking Prompto and Chocobos. <laughs> Those are your I, favorite I, parts I so love far. Chocobos. And right, I'm going to go probably move into the main part of the story the next time that I play. But what I'm going to do first is I haven't done Chocobo racing yet. That I really want to go do it just to play around because I'm not too much of a mini game person usually when it comes to final fantasy games i'll play them for a while and then move on i don't i don't dive in really deep into a lot of the mini games but i could see myself doing chocobo racing a lot because i've never played anything that i've never played anything that's had chocobo racing in it that has has not just enamored me cool yeah you'll have to let me know what you think i was not a fan of it but i usually don't enjoy the mini games a ton um but if you're liking the chocobos that much, you might. So if those yeah, I are just your... love riding around on them. Yeah, if those are like your favorite things about it, what are your least favorite things? Because there are definitely things this game could do better. Fishing is terrible. I'm, yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to get the platinum trophy in this game because you have to fish. And more than anything else, I hate fishing in video games. I know we've talked about this before on with other MMOs and other Final Fantasy games in Final Fantasy fourteen. I think we've talked about it how I knew I wasn't gonna like it in Final Fantasy fifteen before, and I was right. It's terrible. Why they would make the main character love fishing so much, I don't understand. And I've tried. I have sat down and been like, Okay, I found a new fishing spot. This'll be really cool. And I do it and I don't have enough fishing gear for it. That I don't have the right line with enough durability and with enough with enough of the attack on my lures. And I'm like, I don't want to fish. I want to go kill things with my swords and my guns. It goes back to not liking mini games, I think. And probably I mean, fishing is literally the last trophy I got to get the platinum because I have a platinum for this game. Um, yes. One of the very few that I thought was worth it just for fun. So I did everything else, got all of the other trophies in the game, because to get a platinum, you have to get literally every trophy in a game. Um, the fishing trophy was the very last one I did because it was it's just it's dumb. <laughs> I didn't like yeah. that mini game either at all. But yeah, how long did it take you to get the from the lower fishing that you were at to finish out that trophy? Because Honestly, if it's not, not long, crazy, it's not I will not do it. The trick is just wait until you've basically beaten the game. And then there's one fishing spot that will level you up faster than anything else. So you just go there with the best equipment because you have like end game money and end game gear. So yeah. don't fish at all until you've beaten the game and then jump back in and go get that fishing trophy. That's the quick yeah. way to do it. That's what I did. That's what I figure I'll do if I do decide to. If that's the only thing I'm missing or something like that, I'll end up doing it because why not but man it's just not fun to do yeah and well and you told me that the other thing you're not loving is the uh royal arms weapons right i was so excited for these i was so excited because i see them in king's glaive and they go shooting everywhere and and king regis fights with them I'm like that's gonna be so awesome and then they take hit points to use every time you hit an enemy you take damage which I understand they're really powerful and you have to do something, but 
Okay, let me let me break into this. Did you take a lot of damage when you played this game? No, barely any. Okay, I take so much damage. So much damage. Like, so very much damage. And having weapons that make me take more damage? Dumb idea. I just, yeah. I just, I wanted to like them. Like, I warp strike a lot. I'm getting better at dodging. But even then, I before i can kill most things i'm i have to use a potion because the party because the there's so many monsters that i'm having to kill and i'm just why why do you take so much so much hp to use the the weapons that the story wants me to use that's a very different experience than what i had with the game (laughs) but i didn't take i mean i honestly didn't use the royal arms for anything except the stat boost that they gave you and then whenever you can i don't even remember what it's called the like armature or something like you click in the button and then it it doesn't take hp it just has like a timer that's awesome that's the only time i would actually use them is for that mode because like yeah hp draining is not fun but you know if you equip weapons like not only do they sit there in your hotbar they give you stats so i would typically know that yeah i would typically have two weapons that i didn't use at all that i would just leave equipped for stats and then two weapons that i switched between to actually use for battle uh see and i have one weapon i use for battle and one spell and then the other two i just kind of go in and rarely touch them at all and that's why i like never used magic in this game is because it was taking up a slot that i could have put a weapon there to get more stats and uh and see, I love being able to go craft the magic. I don't like having to suck all of the energy to do it because the nodes are too few and far between for me. But I love being able to save up early on, be able to craft Thundagas and things like that with like Quint cast Thundaga and just throw it at a group of enemies and watch them explode. Yeah, I think I that only did that awesome. a couple times. Like when, I don't, I don't even remember. I think I might have had to do it to... Oh, I okay, I know. It was... If you craft them with certain ingredients, they will add like extra effects to the magic. And one of those extra effects is you can get an experience boost. So the only time I ever used magic was to get experience boosts out of it. Okay, so I haven't used the experience boost because I thought about it. And then I see that I can also have it where it will cast four or five copies of the same spell instead of experience. I'm like, I'd rather do that because it makes things explode better. Yeah, and I, (laughs) like I would never leave them equipped, basically, Unless I was just grinding experience, like, there was no other time I would use magic. But, like, okay, so outside of favorite and, like, non-favorite things, um, what else do you feel about the game? I know you had a couple thoughts about dungeons, right? Well, I I really like the dungeons. You had me me so, I don't even want to say confused about the dungeons, intrigued and baffled and kind of bum-fuzzled because you went on about how wonderful they were, that these are the best dungeons that you've ever played in any, any Final Fantasy game. Like, these are awesome. So I go into my very first one, and I'm just expecting this kind of mind-blowing experience. I'm like, I'm in a cave. This is kind of cool. I'm in a cave. And then I get to the end of it, and I'm like, there wasn't a boss. Man, why wasn't there a boss? And so I was like, what's what's wrong with Void? And then I go through a couple more, and I'm like, I really enjoy them. When it gets to a dungeon, they're really, really fun. Here's but the thing. I, Did the cave feel like a cave? Yes, and did, that's what I was going to say. Did the ruins it, feel like ruins? And I love ruins. So yeah, the ruins felt like ruins. See, this is what I was talking about. It's not that like the gameplay aspects of the dungeon are mind-blowing. It's that I have never felt like I was in a dungeon, like a real-life dungeon, when I was in a gameplay dungeon, like in a game True. before. This is the first game that's given me that experience of when you're in a cave, it feels like you're in a cave, like you're like squeezing between little places in the rock and you feel kind of claustrophobic and there's not enough light. And all of these things that would happen in a real cave are in the game. That's what I was trying to get to. And it really, really works that way because I was playing in the dark when my buddy was over and we both, Jennifer was taking a nap on the couch and he was watching me play, uh, play through, I think the second dungeon, uh, that, that you get to. And I'm, I'm going through and I'm in one of those squeezy places. And all of a sudden these goblins like jump out at you and scream. And we both screamed and, uh, and jumped like it jump scared us. And it happened twice in that dungeon where we got jumped scared just like ah and that does not happen in jrpgs and the atmosphere is absolutely perfect in them 
And then I did a ruins dungeon today that actually took, that actually had a boss in it. That when I got to the end of it, there was a big boss monster and I was super happy. So I hope that continues, that that having the big boss monsters, because that really was kind of a letdown, just having larger groups of enemies. They're fun to fight the large groups, but there was just something that felt off after so many years of being trained to expect the giant big bad at the end that would give you whatever you were searching for i really wanted to kill some giant stuff yeah i mean there's more big bads as you get further in the game too you'll you'll get there you're just not yeah. there oh, and I'm, yet. I'm excited because the scale of this game is phenomenal that when you i didn't know there were summons in this game Oh yeah, the, this game has the best summons in all of Final Fantasy. They're my hands favorite. Down, at least visually, they oh, are yeah. hands down the best. There is no way they're not the best. And having characters, having Prompto and Gladio and all of these, all these characters just react to the summons when they don't know it's coming because Noctis knows. I mean, he's summoning them, but all of a sudden, the Archean comes and Titan comes and throws a part of the earth at the enemies to kill them and they're scared because there is a two mile tall god standing above them they're scared and i love it because that was a reaction that you usually that you have never gotten and like they're huge i am so amazed at how big the summons are so here's something about the summons in this game that i should probably say i played through the game and like you know you unlock summons by just playing through the story they're an integral part of the story for sure um but i think in terms of the story there's only one point where you like have to summon one um right outside of like cutscenes and stuff but that that's different like in terms of gameplay i think if i remember right there's only one summon that actually has to happen that is the only summon i saw my entire first playthrough and i was i felt cheated like where are the other summons i love this summon so much i thought they would be throughout the game so after i had beaten the game i went back and i looked it up you only get summons if you're struggling and if your characters are dying a lot or like very low on health for a long time so i purposefully went and got hurt a bunch and then i left my character at low health and then i just did that until i got to see all the summons but I didn't realize that that was the summon mechanic for this game. I didn't see most of them for my entire first playthrough, except I think Ruma is the only one you have to do. I thought that I, I thought that you had to do Bahamut as well. Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. It's been a little bit. But whatever ones you had to do for the story, I did. And yeah. everything else was like, I just never saw it. And I've never summoned uh, Rama in in combat it's only been in that fight i've never figured out how to get him to summon i've summoned titan twice now and it had a slightly different animation both times i did it and those are the only two that i've seen at this point but i love them because they are magnificent i did have austin tell me at the beginning that just to beware that the titan fight is a hot mess and so i went in expecting it i think i would have been frustrated if i hadn't heard it was a hot mess just because that's the best way to put it it's not hard and it's not frustrating but it's just a hot mess of things going on and not being messaged very clearly yeah that one it could have been better could have been a tighter it could have been fight better but but yeah. it was super cool looking and uh, that was really neat and i bought the digital deluxe of this did you did you have any of the extra dlc stuff when you bought this or did you get the standard edition when it came out no i think i have the digital deluxe because i don't know i want to say pre-ordering it was the same price or something Mm -hmm. there was some pre-order deal where if it was more money it was like a negligible amount of money like less than ten dollars more yeah it was either the exact same price or it was like five dollars or something so yeah i got the digital deluxe one and the thing is Almost nothing in that digital deluxe edition was in the game by the time I finished my second playthrough, even. Really? Yeah, no, they've been patching stuff in since the game came out. Like, they're supporting it as, you know, that games as a service that we've been talking about. Yeah. And I, so you have Magitek armor on here. I know what that is Mm -hmm. because I read gaming news. What's Ragnarok? Ragnarok is this really fantastic one, like, sword, broadsword that I have, that I've, I started a little bit after the game with like the second playthrough I, I had more stuff downloading so I, I did close down the game to have more of the stuff install and it's this this really fantastic sword that at the point I'm at right now it's still 
hasn't uh, had one that gives more power other than the Royal Arms. And it's it does extra warp damage, and it is really, really fantastic. It's just this great sword. I feel and like, the magic... I feel like I had a couple items, but I don't know if I had that one. And I definitely didn't have the Magitek armor. The Magitek armor is broken. The Magitek armor is... I have stopped wearing it as much as I did, because for... While it's charged, you don't take damage. That it shields you from pretty much every hit that you take. And I mean, I think it is a finite amount of damage that it will protect you from. Uh, that there is a, a a number on it that you... Not a number of hits, but a number of damage it will, it will absorb. But it is really... Even at the point I'm at right now in the game, uh, leading up to Chapter 9, it's broken... Because if you're in a hard spot, you throw on your am- uh, your Magitek armor and you don't take damage and you basically just beat ev- beat whatever it is and throw potions at your party members. No, I think it's supposed to be that way. I think they patched it into the game to be like a super easy mode. Yeah, it it is. And yeah. where I have taken advantage of it, when, especially when I was learning the combat, it really it really helped that kind of Breath of the Wild want to throw the controller kind of uh, combat for me because there was a there was a little bit that my brain didn't understand how to <laughs> my brain didn't understand how to keep everything straight with all of the warping around and then I finally got my hands used to the controls <laughs> and uh, it, but yeah it's it is broken straight up broken. Okay, so outside of all of those thoughts, how do you feel about it in general overall before we move on? I know I know you don't have like your definitive answer because you haven't finished right. the game yet, but like as of right now, what do you think of it? I really, really love this game. That this is going to be one of my top Final Fantasy games, and I don't know what at what point I'm going to place it in my ranking, because right now I would have to say it's nine fourteen, and then it just kind of goes around in my head whether it's eight or because I haven't played twelve, and a lot of people list twelve up right there, five and six and got knocked down uh, recently because of going through it and. I could really see this one being my favorite Final Fantasy overall if they have fixed the Chapter 13 problems that you have talked about uh, for it being so trudging because that's where I am currently still at in 9 is the worst trudging part when they split your party, I think, on Disc 3. And I haven't gone back to it because I hate it so much. So if this game doesn't have one of those just really sluggish, trudging sections that that a lot of these games do, it may really push it up. And it honestly reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy X, and I can't quite put my finger on why. Mm, it's, um, it's just... I think... I mean, I see what you mean. With X, there are, like, some tones of religion. There's a lot around summons, and there's a lot around, like, fathers and sons and legacy. And I think all of those themes are here in this one. And it's just the way I love the world in this one as much as I loved the world in 10 as well, that it just feels so complete that I I just it feels organic and that it's you know people live in it, even though it's kind of post-apocalyptic almost. It feels like Fallout 4 Final Fantasy in some ways, but it's it's good and I like it and I like it a lot more than I expected to. Good. I'm glad you like it. You'll have to report back once you finish it, which might even be next week at the pace it you're going. Might, at the pace I'm going, it really might be next week because this has been my lunch hour. I take a break, make my sandwich or whatever I'm doing, and come back in, play for an hour, and get back to work. And then I play earlier in the morning uh, before I get to work. It's uh, Jennifer the other day uh, said... Is there anything is, like are we ever going to do anything other than you know me watch you play Final Fantasy? And I'm like I said a few minutes ago if you wanted to do anything other than watch me play Final Fantasy, like I wasn't paying attention because you were playing Final Fantasy. And so like I'm taking the only TV we have by doing this. So I think she'll be very happy whenever I'm whenever I'm not. <laughs> okay. Well, let's dive into the geeky offer of the week. Uh, this week, as we have a lot lately, we have Audible. Um, I am going to recommend. Well, it's kind of both of us recommending. You just finished the Alloy of Law the other week, and 
you read it and we both know it's a good book, but I actually listened to the audiobook version also. And I think that series, the, specifically the second Mistborn trilogy that starts with the Alloy of Law, is really good in audiobook form. And I've, I've listened to a little bit of the first series too, which is fine as audiobooks, but I really like the second series. I thought it gave more personality to the characters than I was getting off the page necessarily. Oh. And that's always a good thing. Like when the narrator does voices really well and makes it feel like distinct characters and distinct styles of speaking. So yep. we're going to recommend Alloy of Law. If you guys want to get that or any other free book, you can get a free one, a trial on us. Go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geek cast and get a book of your choice and help us out at the same time. Um, and if you don't know what the Alloy of Law is, it's a fantasy Western kind of steampunky book. So you'll probably like it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, I should also say that there's other awesome shows on the network. I know that Geekitude is back soon. Joe's coming back from his long vacation. And Woo! Rob and Liam on the comic box this week had a preview of The Defenders. Not like a preview of the show, but like a prep episode that lets you know a lot of the context around it and a lot of the things leading up to it. So I'm probably going to watch The Defenders this weekend. If you guys are also doing that, Check out the comic box episode before you do, because there's a lot of good stuff in there. And their prep episodes are fantastic. They're they're the they're the primers that we need to get everyone to share them with everybody else to get, you know, for pre-watching. That needs to be your homework to learn how to to learn about these properties. Yeah, the comic box is great for that. Okay, with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. You don't have a lot besides the PS4, but what do you have? Um, so I got a PS4. I don't know if you knew that. And I've been playing Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> um, other than that, I did go ahead and jump ahead of Jennifer and start Game of Thrones Season 7. And it is really, really fantastically good, like everybody else said it was. It didn't even have the slow start that Season 6 did. I'm one episode behind because I haven't sat down to watch this week's because I was playing Final Fantasy 15 when it was airing and I haven't had a chance to not play Final Fantasy 15 to watch the newest episode. But it's really, really good this season. I totally, totally understand why everybody was losing their minds about it. Yeah, I mean, even the setup episodes this season are episodes where like, characters that we've been waiting to come together for a really long time are coming together and meeting and like decisions are being made even if yep. it's just dialogue scenes like it's still main characters that have not necessarily ever met each other interacting in a really good way and those are the slow episodes you know so the the big episodes are like huge this season we're still not spoiling it we'll probably do that when we get to the end of the season and this one, I love the talky-talky. This is one where the game, or the game, the show really thrives for me whenever whenever people are talking. I like the politics in this show, and so I try to keep up with it as much as I can. I mean, I don't have the background of reading it, knowing all of the intricacies, but even the slow episodes, I get really, really interested in. And so... I can't remember. You've not watched Parks and Rec, right? Parks and no, Recreation. I've watched it. You I have? watched all of it. Yep. Okay. I couldn't remember. You, there are so many shows I can't remember which ones you have and haven't. And no, so, this was one that when it got all of the hype because of the series finale, and everybody got like, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, I'm going to miss it so much. It's one of my favorite shows ever." I never watched an episode of it, so my wife mm. and I sat down like a week after the series was over. And started with episode one, and then we binge-watched the whole thing in, like, four days, I want to say. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, like, seven seasons in, like, four days. I think it was over some kind of holiday break or something, so we had a long weekend, and that's, like, Dagum. all we did. I'm jealous of you getting to experience it that way. That, uh, that I love the show. It is It is easily one of my favorite shows of all time. I just love it. It is comfort TV. It is something that makes me feel like I'm hanging out with my friends. I love those characters. And and the local brewery here in town would finally brought in a trivia company. And so they're doing pop culture trivia nights. And so me and a bunch of the people from the library who work with Jennifer uh, got together and had a library Parks and Rec trivia team for this competition. And for, and our team name is, uh, we, we wanted it to be, you know, in the spirit of it. So we named ourselves after the librarians in, in Parks and Rec. So we were the punk-ass book jockeys. And we won, yo. We destroyed. We stayed tied for first or in, like, handily in first 
the entire competition. It was awesome. We got the stink eye from hipsters with beards. It was great. It's like they're over there sipping their rosé, staring at us with a stink eye. We're like, yeah, Leslie Nope's our buddy, not yours. Okay. Like, I am Chris Traeger's son. Don't look at me. You did send me a text right when you won with, like, your victory pose, and I was very impressed. So good job. I'm so proud. Like, we, we went in there, and, like, we're all super fans of this show like we love this show and if we had lost i'm pretty sure that we all would have just gone home and drank ourselves to sleep while watching parks and rec yeah mm-hmm. so uh this week i finished the Bobaverse book three all these worlds which yeah. i talked about last week so i'm not gonna dwell on it too much but i like that series a lot it was a good series it was definitely worth my time um there was a new hardcore history episode out this week and you guys probably know by now that I love hardcore history. It's probably one of the best podcasts ever made. Um, and the episodes are few and far between, but when they release, they are multi-hour episodes. So okay. this was a six-hour episode, and I listened to it in one day because it's so good. Um, and it I think it's been six or nine months since the last episode, somewhere in that range. It's probably closer to six. But it's always a big event when a new hardcore history episode lands. Um, this one was all about the Roman and Celtic wars, which I knew absolutely nothing about, but that's always fine because you learn a lot. Um, so that was a good day. I played the long dark. Have you played that game? I have not. Okay. So it, they just came out of alpha finally. And it was one that I played probably like six or eight hours of when it was in alpha and then i threw it in my steam folder that's full of alphas and betas and i just waited (laughs) for it to come out i yeah i have one of those Um, i don't doubt that even a little like that doesn't surprise me at all yeah i do that like i'll go sample a game and i'm like okay i like it enough now i'm gonna wait for it to really release and then see what it's like so it came out and it has a story mode now so i gave that a shot and i i don't know i wasn't super impressed i i still really like what it is for a game and it's like an atmospheric survival game if you are in the mood for that it's great if you're not in the mood for that steer clear and i'm usually not in the mood for that but yeah um whenever i bought this game there was like a week or two where i was just I was in the mood for that and I played a ton of it and it was perfect. So if you're one of those kind of people that likes atmospheric games and you like survival games, do not skip this game, The Long Dark. It's really good. And now it's out for real and out of alpha and all that stuff too. (laughs) And I doubt I'll ever touch it because I just do not like survival games. That's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like building games where in theory, I really want to love them, but then I play them for maybe 20 minutes and realize that the mechanics are just not fun for me to play. And I like hearing about other people's stories uh, when they're playing them. I like watching videos of other people who are good at them and who enjoy them. I cannot play them myself. Yeah, I have to be in the exact right mood, and it doesn't strike very often, but when it does, I like having a good one available. So it's good for that. Um, One of the games that I played a lot of this week was Slime Rancher. Have you heard of this game? <laughs> yep, yep, I have. It is a first-person game, and it's kind of somewhere between Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, and Pokemon. It's a first-person shooter. You have like a vacuum, kind of all the Luigi's Mansion, And it's a world that's full of slimes, and you have a ranch, and you are a slime rancher. You basically have to go (laughs) find these slimes, bring them back to your ranch, put them into pens that you have to create, and kind of a little bit Minecrafty in that, like, you have to build up a little bit of your area, but not super Minecrafty, not actually like Minecraft. I don't know what game to relate this game to. It's kind of a cross between Harvest Valley and Pokemon is the best I can get you in the realm of thinking, but different Mm. kinds of slimes, you can put them in the same pen and then they'll like cross breed into better slimes or like mega slimes or giant slimes, Largo slimes. And then you can set up automated feeders to feed them. And then you can suck up the stuff that they drop to like sell for money and you can grow vegetables to feed them and you can grow hens and chickens and stuff to feed them. And it's also kind of an exploration game because (laughs) as you get money, you have to go back out and find new slimes and explore new areas by unlocking them with money or sometimes with powers that you gain by the i don't know it's a little bit of a bunch of different genres and for some reason it just grabbed me this week and i played like eight hours of it (laughs) 
Okay, so so the best um, one of the best ways that that I can describe what you just said was listening to a seven to nine year old tell you a story about their favorite movie. Yeah, no, that's yeah. Go go check out Slime Rancher. I also played <laughs> Titanfall Assault this week, awesome. which. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to explain it, but I just got to move on. <laughs> no, I um, completely understand. That's why I'm just laughing. It's like, there's no way to describe that any better, but it's just funny because that's how you have to. You you Google it while I talk about Titanfall. Assault, I did. Oh, you I tell did. me, okay, can you explain it any better than I just did? No. Okay, great. Not even. So, Titanfall Assault is, uh, it's an RTS game set in the Titanfall universe and it's on iOS and I'm assuming other mobile devices too, probably on Android. Um, it was a decent real-time strategy, like competitive game, and I liked that about it. The core of the gameplay seemed fun, but it's full of free-to-play mechanics, and it's full of like those unlock mechanics where mm. you know if you play enough of it, you're gonna hit this like soft cap where you either have to grind out in-game points to buy things, or you're gonna have to just pay money. And on top of that, it's one of those games where it's just not optimized because you can feel your phone literally heat up in your hands to the point where it's like <sighs> burning hot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And I always get so frustrated when I find a game that does that because you expect a little bit of warmth because, you know, your phone is on and running. But when it gets hot, it's it's like, wait, did, did you not test this game on, yeah. on the major hardware? <laughs> So not only was it super hot on my phone, it was also super hot on my iPad when I moved over to it, which is always a bad sign if it's heating up even an iPad with like stronger, you know, processor in it and stuff. So that and it drains the battery a lot. I don't know. It feels like there's a core of a game here that if they took another swing at it or if you give it some time to kind of like settle in and they fix some of the free to play stuff, it might be really good. But for right now, I don't think I'm going to play any more of it. It was worth sampling, though. I also played Dreadnought. The open beta is out right now. Did I ever tell you about this game? I don't know. I, you might have because it seems so familiar with the name, but I, I'm not placing anything with it. I, so, I can't. I played it with my brother when we went to PAX in uh, 2015, I think. We All went right. to PAX Prime. And this game was out, and we kept going back to this booth over and over because it was so much fun. And they've kind of changed the gameplay a little bit since then. I mean, it's been two years now, so that's not, you know, whatever. Um, but you, the idea behind it is that you have these giant ships that you're controlling that are kind of more slow, and it's more about positioning and strategy oh yeah you did you told me all about this yeah it's not so much about twitch reflexes and like going super fast and having twitch skills it's more about positioning and working with your team and it still has that but the game sped up a little bit which i'm not sure if i like or not i didn't you know i'm not i guess i'm on the fence about that part but the thing is i tried it on the ps4 because that's where the open beta is right now and i did not like the controller for this game at all like this was so much better with a mouse and keyboard. So I either need to go look it up on PC and see if there's a PC open beta or I'll just wait for the game to come out and I might pick it up on PC because there's a lot of concepts here I like. I just didn't think that it fit very well on a controller and it also didn't feel optimized for the PS4. There are really long load times. There's like pop in. There's graphics that just look, I don't know, like blurry like downscaled upscaled something huh. there's something with them you know when you just look at a game and you're like this is not the native platform for this game yeah yeah that's how i felt playing dreadnought on ps4 huh. and that's you know you you talking about that i know that's not I'm, I'm tangenting here where i hadn't even thought about being able to get involved in any of the ps4 betas that are going on that i hear people talking about all the time like this one that I'll be able to grab those now and be able to experience it and play and, and figure it out. Like the Destiny 2 beta that I totally missed out on. Yeah, you did. But you can get in on it next time, mm -hmm. which will be good. The main thing that I did this week, though, is I finished Final Fantasy V. I finished my four-job Fiesta run. I was victorious. I beat it. My end party was Monk, Time Mage, Ranger, and Dragoon this year with the four-job Fiesta. And... In the end, I had to lean heavily into the time mage abilities, which I, you know, I used throughout the game, but I didn't really dive deep until the end game when I had to figure out how to beat a couple things I got stuck on, especially the very last boss, Neo X-Death. I used 
Hestaga, which is like, you know, the haste that applies to your whole party at the same time. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So yeah. powerful. Quick, which gives your time mage bonus turns by it just costs a lot of mana. But if you cast it on yourself, you get like a couple extra turns right away before anyone else can do anything. And then Meteor on time mage. So that combination did a ton of damage. And then I did rapid fire on my ranger. I did rapid fire on my dragoon. And that got me through the end of the game when I had to level up a little bit. But besides that, it wasn't too bad. Um, I'm glad that I saved all my elixirs and I didn't use any of them until I was on the last boss because I needed... Always do that. Yeah, I needed almost all of them to do this strategy with the time mages, but it worked out. Um, And I only did grinding in two spots in the entire game. So there's Ball Castle in World 2, and I think you can also get back to it in World 3. There's a really good spot in the dungeon of Ball Castle that you can just grind for AP points, which are the ability points you use to level up job classes. So... When I got there, I just sat down and watched TV or a movie with my wife that night. I think I spent two or three hours not even barely looking at the game, but just like I set up auto battle to throw golden mm-hmm. needles at the statues in that basement. And then I just ran around until I ran out of them and I would go buy a hundred more and then come back and do it again uh, until yeah. I mastered all four classes on all four people. It only took two or three hours. It was like no time in terms of grinding. Which yeah, is cool. I've been doing that with other jobs and and just walking around in, in good experience places and just circling, watching TV, having an auto tap a couple of times. And if you use Romeo's Ballad from the Bard, which I mean, you didn't have this time, but if you just use Romeo's Ballad on the on a Bard where it just casts stop on everything, you don't really even have to heal. It's it's just fantastic. Yeah, so that's been really fun. And then the only other place I did grinding was the final dungeon in the castle, because that's a good place to get experience. So Uh I needed a couple extra levels when I got to Neo X Death, so I backtracked in that final dungeon, and I did a little bit of leveling up there just to get some more health for my characters, basically, to be able to Mm -hmm. finish it off. But it was nothing big. Um, It was nothing like grinding out a really bad combination of jobs. Like, nothing crazy. (laughs) Um, and yeah, the last you, thing, you didn't have a ridiculous, uh, ridiculously bad combo this time. No, not at all. It was just not optimal. Yeah, I made it work. It was fine. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't bad. I can't complain compared to what it could have been. Uh, and then the last thing I did this week was I watched Ducktales. Did you watch Ducktales yet? No, I haven't. I actually saw this on the notes, and because uh, I missed it when it came on, and. Uh, just saw that your notes say that it's on YouTube. And I texted Jennifer, like, when I saw that just now. I, I w- I'm just excited because I texted Jennifer whenever I saw that in your notes, and we may watch that tonight. There you go, yeah. So the first episode, which I think is a double episode, it's kind of what Disney XD did for Star Wars Rebels, where they released, okay. you know, two back-to-back mm-hmm. as one episode, but it's, like, double length. Um, it's it's that same kind of thing and they released it on youtube for free so that's where i watched it and i guess the rest of the episodes aren't airing until september so it's not ducktales isn't really back yet but it's almost back the first episode is kind of you know it's Mm. weird but i'm so excited it, it was good i liked it i'm going to watch more of it i enjoy ducktales i still enjoy ducktales after all these years and mm-hmm. you should watch it because the first episode's free I watched it once. I'm going to watch it with my kids, too. I don't know what else to say about it. You're going to watch it, right? Yeah. Oh, I am so I'm I'm all in on DuckTales. DuckTales was one of my favorite things as a kid. The NES games, the TV show, just everything was awesome. And so I am super excited for the re-release here and finding out that they're going to have Gizmo Duck and uh, Darkwing Duck in it as well is is uh, oh, my goodness. There's yeah. Darkwing Duck in it. That is enough. Like Jennifer and I went as Launchpad and Darkwing for Halloween a few years ago. Like I want Ducktales. <laughs> okay. I was Launchpad. I have a Launchpad costume still right now that I made. It, it is horribly cobbled together, and I cannot. I that is. I love Ducktales. So you will probably have seen it by next week, which is good. I'm yeah. I'm certain I will have seen it by next week. Okay, that about does it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. 
And remember, like we said earlier, we are part of a podcast network, so head over to geek2geekcast.com if you're not listening to all of our shows and see what we've got that tickles your fancy. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And you can find me online at bjkeaton.com. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.